Listener Production. Welcome to The Brief. It's Tuesday, March the 7th, and there's plenty happening in the world of motorsport. G'day everybody, Rusty here to tell you about something different that you'll find in the Rusty's Garage Library for you to enjoy periodically from now on. With the 2023 motorsport season underway, we thought we'd shift up a gear with the offering and include some short-form conversations kind of on hot topics happening in the pit lane, the paddock or the service park, and it can be any kind of motorsport, two or four-wheel. We would love your input here too if there's an issue du jour or something that's currently happening that's got you and your mates talking. Hit us up on social media and we'll do our best to look into it. You'll see the brief parked in the Rusty's Garage Library with all the usual episodes. Don't worry, this doesn't mean that our regular long-form interviews are changing either. They'll still be there and in fact, we're actually going to start releasing those fortnightly too instead of every three weeks. Think of the brief a little bit like a pre-brief or a debrief in the hauler or the race truck where we chat with the people that know. Racers, engineers, journalists, commentators, even rule makers. But instead of these being the beautiful deep dives that you love into cars, history and magical moments, these have a level of currency to the conversation. And in essence, they're brief. Radio-style interviews, shortcasts. You got it. Now, instead of this ending up a promo of what's about to come, why don't we just get stuck in? Round one of the Supercars Championship happens on the streets of Newcastle this weekend. Everybody eagerly awaiting the race debut of the new Gen 3 cars, the new Camaro v Mustang competition story in Australian motorsport. Joining us to talk about it from the Supercars broadcast team, Oh, five time. Garth Tander. Hello, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough of that. Hello, Rusty. That's enough of that. Yes, no. Um, great to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, but excited. Obviously looking forward to to Newcastle this weekend. Um, as you said, um, first rollout in competition for Camaro and Mustang in the new era of supercars. So looking forward to see how all that plays out. Been a lot of noise over the last month or two. So all that noise stops when we roll out on Friday morning and um, it's game on. Can, can we start, mate, on a positive note? Because of all that stuff you've just, just spoken about, I mean, changing life, right, brings brings trepidation, even criticism before we really know what something is like. What's good about this in your mind? Oh, look, I think what's good is the cars look fantastic. They sound fantastic. So from a, if you're a consumer standing on the side of the track at Newcastle on the weekend and you see, the, see 25 of these things firing down into turn one right at you, you will not, it'll be hard to be not impressed, seriously, because they look visually spectacular. I mean, and I've seen a lot of race cars over 25, 30 years that I've been involved in the game. These things look tough. Um, they sound tough. Um, they're hard to drive. Um, they're not easy to be accurate in. So I think from a, from a consumer's point of view, whether you're consuming it on the track side at Newcastle or you're consuming it on TV, um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be cool. It's going to be mixed up. It's going to be very different to what we've seen in the past in as far as the pecking order goes. So as you said, with change comes trepidation and nervousness. And I think most of that trepidation and nervousness is within the teams and the drivers in pit lane. So um, that's going to make it interesting. You've piqued my interest here and, and the listeners as well, mate. I mean, people in mainstream media, and I'm definitely guilty of this, they want to believe that that 
new cars um, or regulations shake the tree a bit, right, that perhaps will get some upset results, a David beating a Goliath. Is that something that will only be for the first couple of rounds and then things will be restored or you think this will genuinely sort of mix it up a bit for a while? I think it has the potential to mix it up for a while because we have seen in the past when there's been significant rule changes and the most recent one was going into 2013 with what was called then Car of the Future or the previous generation car that we just finished with. Um, Brad Jones Racing was the team that came out of the blocks and they were, no disrespect to Brad and his team, they were a mid-pack runner prior to Car of the Future. And when the new car came out in 2013, they hit the ground running and they were the form team and they had the package. Um, and I feel like there's an opportunity for that to happen again here. There's a lot less ability to engineer your way out of a solution or find, engineer a solution with this current new car because the, the toolbox that you had to play with is much smaller now in the Gen 3 cars. So there's much more restriction on what you can do as far as um, you know, engineering clever solutions to, to fix problems with race cars. You can't do as much of that with the current car. So there's a, there's a, there's a lot of little things. So we, we talk a lot about in motorsport and in sport, for example, the one percenters. You know, it's important to get the one percenters right. I feel like with this current car, it's the half a percenters. It's wow. come down to that. It's going to be that competitive. And, and there'll, no doubt there will be a team that we have not been used to seeing running at the very front will be amongst it for the first mm. three, four, five races, maybe in the entire season. Maybe they'll just hit the ground running and away they go. So that's where that nervousness and that trepidation that we talked about has come from because we genuinely don't know right now as we sit here prior to the event, we genuinely don't know what the pecking order is. We don't know whether the Red Bull team and the Shell team, who have been the form teams for the last four, five, six years, whether they're still at the top of the tree or they're out the back and it's, a, and it's one of the smaller minnow teams that are up the front. We genuinely don't know. We had that test in Sydney a couple of weeks ago. There was a lot of games going on with tyres and who used what tyres and car weights and all the rest of it. So we don't have a real official pecking order yet. So when mm. the cars roll out on Friday for practice one at Newcastle, that's when you start to get an understanding of the lay of the land, and that's what make this what makes this first weekend of twenty three so exciting. You mentioned it in in a couple of broad examples there before. What kind of things should fans watch out for here, Garth? I mean, we've heard talk of some people in relation to the cars being a little bit lighter. Perhaps they launch or start differently, um, or you know, slightly differently. Is tire degradation a thing, and so on? What stuff will a diehard fan look for as the races unfold? Okay, so the cars are much more difficult to drive. Hmm. Um, they don't have the downforce that the previous cars have had. They're about 60% less downforce. So um, what we've, where you used to just fire the car into a corner, say, for example, Turn 1 at Sydney Motorsport Park, you used to just fire the old car in there super fast and the aero would do its work because minimum speed there was 200 kilometres an hour. Do that in a current car and you're straight off the racetrack. So a lot of muscle memory, and it's probably not such a big a deal at Newcastle because the corner speeds are a bit lower. But the muscle memory from the past is something that you have to undo and you'll have to undo mm. very, very quickly because you're so used to carrying so much entry speed. Um, the front geometry, the suspension geometry, I don't want to get too far bogged down in the technical stuff, but the front suspension geometry is now controlled. Mm-hmm. And the box, and that's the toolbox that I was talking about where you could in the past engineer yourself out of 
of a drama, you can't do that as much anymore because there's very tight constrictions on what you can do with the front geometry in as far as the front suspension goes. So it's very, very difficult to feel the front of the car at the moment. You'll, you'll hear a lot in the broadcast over the course of the weekend and for the first, well, probably the first three, four, five weekends of drivers talking about is, I can't feel the front of the car. I can't feel the front tyre. And that's the feedback you get from the front tyre, how it loads and your feedback you get up through the steering wheel. The drivers, and I've experienced it, I've done plenty of laps in the Gen 3 car now, is that it's very difficult to feel where the front tyre is. So the team that gets on top of that earliest and gets going with that the quickest will have a massive advantage. And tyre degradation, you mentioned it, Rusty. Um, With less aero comes less grip. And with less grip comes more sliding. And with sliding <laughs> comes wearing of tyres. So, um, so drivers are going to have to be, and Newcastle is super hard on tyres anyway, drivers are going to have to be really, really vigilant about how they use their tyre in the race um, and not to abuse it early. Really baby the tyre early in the, tri- in the stints and try and extend the tyre windows. So tyre management is going to be a, a, a whole new skill that drivers will have to take to a new level this year with the new car. In the broadcast, you have a responsibility to showcase the product, tell the stories, good and bad, that are happening up and down the lane and and so on. But a takeaway from me here, mate, is that you sound like this change will genuinely enhance the spectacle. Maybe it'll be a case of we need several rounds to, to truly know that. But on paper, in simple terms, it should make the spectacle, the racing, better. Well, yeah, I feel it will because that's what the whole... The whole remit of Gen 3 was to make the spectacle and the racing better. And better. we've talked a little bit about aero and downforce already. And reducing the downforce and the aerodynamics of the cars allows the cars to run more closely together. We've seen that in Formula 1 over the last two or three years where they changed the rules and, the, and the, the way that the cars generate their downforce significantly so that the cars were more able to follow in Formula 1. And to a degree, that's been successful in F1. Mm. And it's much the same with Gen 3 because, um, because our cars are sedan-based cars or, or um, they, they, the way they generate their downforce is very dirty. It's not efficient. Um, so that when you have dirty downforce, for example, it creates a big wake of dirty air behind the car. And in the past, you could have had a car that was seven, eight tenths of a second a lap faster but when you closed up to the car in front and got within about a second of it, you got into that dirty, turbulent air and you'd overheat your front tyre and you couldn't get close enough to complete the pass, even though you had a massive speed advantage. So the idea behind reducing the downforce so much and making the cars more efficient through the air is that when you do have a speed advantage, you can get within that one second buffer and get this pass done. So um, I feel like that in itself is going to make the spectacle better. And two, the cars are difficult to drive, mate. They are hard to drive. So when the cars are hard to drive, that creates mistakes. So when mistakes happen, it scrambles everything. So if you can imagine there's a pack of six, seven, eight cars and someone towards the front of that pack makes a mistake, the scramble that will take place when everyone's trying to capitalise on that mistake. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, look, they're physically more challenging to drive. Mentally, you have to focus even harder than we have in the past. Um, and the car should run more closer together. So um, there is the potential there. And I think, you know, it will be track-specific. Like, Newcastle's a difficult track to pass on. So I'm not saying we're going to go to Newcastle and we're going to see 100 passes over the course of the weekend because Newcastle, as a layout, is difficult to pass on. But 
this new car will make it more easy to get it done if there's an opportunity to do it. Garth has been good enough to stick around here, so we're going to grab a quick break in this edition of The Brief and come back with more in just a few moments. We're talking with Garth Tander ahead of round one of the 2023 Supercars Championship in Newcastle. It is going to be huge there. Awesome place. Great that the sport is going back there. Nice way, in many respects, to start this new era for the category. I do feel, mate, a little for uh, a lot, actually, for those who've worked so hard over summer building these cars. God, it is a brutal place, isn't it? <laughs> so, so you write a list for the start of the championship and you, and you say, okay, all new cars, tick. Okay, cars are a little bit late to get completed, but we got the cars done, tick. Tick. Okay, <laughs> teams are scrambling now to get spare parts. So we have a small spare part cachet up and down pit lane, tick. Take them to one of the most brutal circuits in Australia, <laughs> cross. <laughs> so, so, yes, it's going to be the, the, the nature of Newcastle with, the, I mean, street circuits. The walls are close. We know that. But for whatever reason, Newcastle and the Gold Coast, the walls seem even closer. Closer. <laughs> so, so we have traditionally started the championship in Adelaide in the past, and and the way that that's the, just the way of the, the lay of the land in Adelaide, the walls are generally a little bit further back. As opposed, you know, there's a couple of areas, you know, Turn Eight, for example, that you can get yourself into some trouble. Whereas Newcastle, you can get yourself into trouble leaving pit lane. So <laughs> I think Lanza even crashed coming into pit lane once at Newcastle. So it's it's so difficult. And we talked about the cars being more physical to drive. They're more challenging to drive. You're going to have to have, keep your focus up. So we're taking the cars to one of the most difficult, difficult circuits for the cars as far as physicality, as far as concentration, but then also mechanically for the cars. We're taking them to a joint that's brutal, mm. like lots of bumps, lots of curb, brushing the walls everywhere. A lot of the talk, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm part of the Penrite Racing Organisation now and a lot of our talk is literally just get the first race finished. Let's just get through the first day. Survival mode. So, survive the first day and then let's have a good look at the car on Saturday night and wow. understand where the car's at and then reassess for Sunday. Hmm. So um, the old adage is you can't win the championship in the first race but you can lose it hmm. and that's certainly going to be the case for this year, I think. Taking the cars to a very such a brutal joint in Newcastle, um, great for us as consumers mm. and in, in the, in the, as in the fans, broadcaster yeah. role, it's fantastic. <laughs> but I'm glad I'm not driving them this at Newcastle this weekend. A lot of listeners will be asking, mate, and, and probably difficult to know. It might take a couple of rounds to to answer that. Do you think they've got the parry right? And there's even been last minute work to ensure that it is as close as possible. Oh, look, honestly, mate, I don't know. I honestly mm-hmm. don't know. Um, and it's hard for me to answer because I drive for one brand now yes. and then I have to also work within the business to report about the business. So um, honestly, as it stands here right now, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we genuinely won't know for two or three or four rounds. I mean, mm. you, you, you think we've, we've had teams testing in Queensland. We've had teams testing in, at Winton. Hmm. In, in rural Victoria, we've done one test at Sydney Motorsport Park, which is notoriously bad as far as testing goes because of the nature of the surface. It's hard to be as a it's a great layout, but as far as a test track goes and repeatability, and that's what you need when you go testing is having repeatability. So when you make a change, you can go back out on the track and and assess that change. And Sydney doesn't allow for that with the nature of the surface. So until we tick off Newcastle, AGP, Perth. 
Simmons Plains, the sort of differing nature layouts, um, we won't know where parity is yeah. at right now. And, and look, to their credit, supercars and both manufacturers, Ford and Chevrolet, um, are committed to, to achieving parity. Mm-hmm. And we know that's an important thing from a competition point of view. And we also know that's important from a fan point of view because, you know, you want to know if you're supporting one particular brand, you want to know that it's a fair fight. And, um, you know, everyone wants to make sure that when we get two, three, four rounds into this championship, we're not talking about that dirty P word. Yeah. A couple to finish here. Um, is there a driver in the field that people perhaps aren't considering that you think might shine a bit in these new cars at, at a place like Newcastle? I mean, is a a Mark Winterbottom or a somebody like that that might might take to these style of cars and, and shine that perhaps hasn't been doing that in more recent time? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I've, I'm still yet to, to decide whether someone with minimal Gen 2, if you like, previous mm. car experience is better because they've got less preconceived ideas and less muscle memory. Or someone that has a vast amount of experience, and Mark Winterbottom is the case in point, who's driven cars from mid-2000s all the way to now. And I feel like the aero and the downforce that we have on the current new generation cars is very similar to a 2003, 4, 5 type of supercar. Okay. And, and Frosty has experience from that era. Nice, yeah. So whether you can undo all the stuff that you've learned in the middle and, and reapply what you you remember back in 2004 and 2005 is a challenge. So um, that's going to be very interesting, and I think that's something to keep an eye on. One driver that sort of has stood out to me a little bit and I think is probably flying under the radar is Brody Kostecki. Okay. I, I feel like he could be one that seems, just watching him in testing, he looks like he's got his head around this car very, very quickly. Um, so I think he might be one. He sort of has probably been under the shadow of his teammate Will Brown a little bit at that team at Erebus, and I feel like maybe there's potential for that to be switched around in the early part of this year. Been announced today that a Frenchman who races for Porsche internationally will tackle the Enduros with you guys at Penrite Racing. Can you share a little bit a bit uh, about maybe the rationale behind that the team went for you know an international? Because that's a great thing. I love that about our, our Bathurst and our Sandown races, that we do get a bit of that coming through, but it's perhaps not as prominent as it used to be back in the day. Well, uh, yeah, look, I think if you're ever going to do it, this is the year, this is the year to do it because mm-hmm. all of the co-drivers have effectively minimal experience with the new generation car. Mm-hmm. So with Kevin coming in to the team, he's not on such a back foot because he's – it's a more of an equal standing because he's going to get, he'll get test days before Sandown. Um, so he'll get a bit, a better understanding of what it takes to, to understand this car and drive this car. Um, but all the other co-drivers, the 24, 25, however many more of us that there are, it's not like we've got years and years and years of experience with the Gen 3 car as a head start against an international. Yes. Also, you know, Kevin Estro, his endurance racing pedigree is... Mega. <laughs> Mega. Yep. It's underselling it almost. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, so this guy knows how to perform in endurance racing. He knows how big, successful motorsport operations work. He's a Porsche factory driver. He drives for Penske. He's driven for all the big Porsche GT teams. So, so just having him around the organization and, and for him to look as with fresh eyes on the organisation, I think is also a good thing. And he's a fast race car driver. 
Yes. So, <laughs> uh, so that ticks a lot of boxes. But one of the big things that has enabled us to bring internationals back to Australia is Sandown's back. The Sandown yes. 500 is back ahead of Bathurst. So we had this crazy period where Sandown 500 was after Bathurst for a while there. Now we've got Sandown back as a 500, back in its rightful place as a leading event to the 1000. Sandown is a much easier track to get your head around while you're learning these cars as well. So when you bring an international driver down, taking him to Sandown is nowhere near as daunting for the first time as taking him to Bathurst That's, for the first yeah. time. So he'll have the whole, he'll have test days prior to Sandown, he'll have Sandown, and then we'll go to Bathurst as well. So his lead in will be, his will be strong. And uh, really looking forward to working with it. Mate, finally, and we're going to put this question to him in time, uh, probably a question for Shane Van Gisbergen. He's waiting to kind of experience the car before, you know, fully passing judgment, do some races and rounds and so on. Do you think that the guy you've raced so successfully with at, at Bathurst in, in recent years will kind of come around, will like the new car once he's racing it and perhaps even winning it just knowing his makeup? It's hard to answer that one with Shane. Yes, seriously, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. and, 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 um, and good luck asking him that question. Okay. <laughs> now, now he knows I'll do it. I'm in trouble. So anyway, you keep um, going. No, well, I won't, I won't, warn, I won't pre, pre-warn him for okay. you. Um, um, yeah, honestly, I don't know. Um, okay. What Shane loves is he loves the battle and he loves the fight and he mm. loves racing. That's what he loves. That's what he craves. And that's what he goes looking for. That's why he goes and races a sprint car over summer. Mm. Um, you know, that's why he races a dirt bike with his mates. That's why he mm. has a paddock race in New Zealand in, in the off season because it has live timing because he loves the competition. So yep. that's all he wants. And, and you know, I, I've been very fortunate to spend a lot of time very close to him and, and understand him from behind, away from the racetrack and, um, and that's what it is. It's the competition. Mm. So if the if the competition's there and it's and it's you know a strong battle and 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 the cars are somewhat rewarding to drive, then I feel like he'll stay. He'll hang around. Why yep. wouldn't you? Because yep. you know he gets paid very well. He drives a very good race car for a very good race team in a very very strong championship. That you know if if a hundred other GT drivers slash touring car drivers around the world had the opportunity, they'd cut both their legs off to take Shane Van Gisbergen's seat. So. He's in a very, very fortunate position. So, um, yeah, I, as long as the as long as the battle's there and there's a there's a big fight to be had, um, and he'll be up for it. Great words, Garth Tander. Thank you. Thrifty Newcastle 500 is this weekend, March 10 to 12. If you can't be there, you'll be able to see it on Fox Sports and Seven Sky in New Zealand. Ice House, Screaming Jets, John Stevens among the acts performing there. Three practice sessions Friday, Armour or qualifying on both Saturday and Sunday, and two races on each day of the weekend, 95 laps in length. It is going to be brutal, but it is going to be spectacular to watch. Have a great call, mate. Thank you. Cheers, Lasty. Thanks, mate. Before we go, a quick whip round of other motorsport. Max Verstappen winning the season-opening F1 race in Bahrain. Man, Red Bull look like being very hard to beat this season. And I'm sure many of you listeners are a little nervous. It's only round one. We need to keep that caveat in there. But many of you worried about Oscar Piastri and the performance of both McLarens. Our old mate, our colleague, Scott McLaughlin, who you can find in the Rusty's Garage Library as well, was part of... The Adelaide 500 broadcast with Garfair late last year. He was involved in an incident with Romain Grosjean in the IndyCar opener at St. Pete. He manned up and owned it post-race. He's apologised to Romain in both the coverage and, and personally. He went for it on cold tyres coming out of the pit lane. Ask yourself, 
Would you have done the same thing? Would you have rolled the dice and had a crack? I reckon many of us would have. Finally, big congratulations to James McFadden. He's also in a very recent edition of the Rusty's Garage podcast. He was back here to contest the classic over summer. Had a bit of a tough season, you'd have to say, in America last year. He has just given Roth Motorsport their 100th career World of Outlaws win. That is a very cool thing for any driver to bring up a milestone like that. Well done. That's it for the first edition of The Brief. We hope you've enjoyed it. Let us know on social media what you think and if there's an issue, an event, a driver, a topic that you'd like us to tackle, we'll do that. And keep an eye out for regular episodes of Rusty's Garage too. We've got some very good guests coming up, including... F1 champion Jensen Button. See you next time.